Coming up in today's episode, we're going to talk about the U.S. economy and consumer, European recession, and China's property default sector, and struggles with the economy. Welcome back to the Bitcoin Layer. I'm Nick Batia, and today I want to go around the world and talk about what's going on in the U.S., Europe, and China. First, let's start in the United States. So this week, we had some important data coming out, including, most specifically, the ISM Services Survey. Now, ISM Services is one of the more reliable data points that we have to tell us what is going on in the U.S. economy. So let's take a quick look at this time series. What you see here is an economy that is in growth mode. Basically, the 50 line on these ISM and PMI surveys separates what the respondents are indicating as growth or contraction. So if readings come in above 50, it means the answers to these questions are that they're hiring more people, increasing prices, getting better new orders, uh, etc. When the numbers are below 50, it means they are firing more people, having lower input prices, having contracting new orders. And this in this way, we are able to get a sense of the economy. Now, in the services sector, we can see that we are in growth mode. And we did flirt with a level that was below 50 in contraction uh, a little bit last in the last year or so. But services have rebounded and are now actually showing a decent amount of strength. But as we know, the economy and understanding how all these global markets are working, it's not a linear situation. We have to take into account so many things at the same time. And often it's not easy to just give a, give ourselves a conclusion, as in the services sector is strong, therefore asset prices will perform a certain way. We know that not to be true. And I would remind our viewers to take a look at this graphic that we talk about often at TBL This is a watch that we use as an analogy to understand what's going on around the global economy. There are so many different moving parts in a watch's inner gears. And in order to understand what's going on with the full watch, we need to actually take a look at each individual moving component and understand how that thing is working. So our job here at the Bitcoin layer is to try to explain as many of these moving parts as possible. Let's go to ISM Manufacturing. Now, ISM Manufacturing, this is another fantastic data series that we have in the United States, giving us a beat on the economy. Services firms are, of course, different than manufacturing firms, especially in the U.S. economy, in which services do dominate GDP. However, manufacturing is at the base of the economy and it's an important indicator, especially for employment sake, because as manufacturing jobs are added to the economy, it has a strong multiplier throughout. So let's take a look at what is going on in the manufacturing sector. And we can see that over the last three or so years, manufacturing has struggled. We were at readings that were well above 60, meaning that the economy was doing really well from a manufacturing standpoint and then a slow and steady decline over the last few years to levels significantly below 50. Now, the latest reading 
is still below 50, 47.6. However, we are seeing a little bit of a bump in the last few months. This is something that I wouldn't say is important to celebrate, but it is something to keep in the background, especially with services as strong as they are. So quickly to summarize the ISM situation, services are showing a US economy that is growing and is strong, manufacturing still in contraction territory and may be showing some life, but still showing signs of contraction. This video is sponsored by River. Go check out river.com slash TBL. It is our preferred way to purchase Bitcoin. We love River as an exchange for a few reasons. Number one, they have a multi-sig solution so that they are storing the Bitcoin that is purchased on their platform. It is not outsourced to a third-party custodian. So we love this idea of River keeping the Bitcoin. Number two, River actually recommends that you take your Bitcoin off of the exchange and advocates for self-custody. And we love this ethos and we really believe that River is a great way for you guys to stack your sats. Lastly, they have a great feature in which you can dollar cost average and without any fees. So you can set your program, stack sats as you go along and set it in a way in which River is not charging you any fees. Go check them out today, river.com slash TBL. I wanna talk about the corporate bond market as well. This is a market indicator, not necessarily an economic indicator, but market indicators are important as well. What are we seeing in the US corporate bond market? We are seeing near record amounts of issuance here this week post Labor Day. Now, this is just one week of issuance, but it does give us an indication that corporate balance sheets are very healthy in the investment grade sector. And it, by investment grade, we mean companies that are highly rated according to the ratings agencies. And this is just a relative comparison to companies that we call high yield, which are generally triple B rated and below companies. So in the investment grade market, we are seeing this week near record numbers in terms of issuance, dollar volume, number of deals, number of tranches across the curve, and why. Let's put this chart up on the screen. This is a chart of CDX investment grade. It is a basically an insurance product that protects investors from corporate default in the IG sector, which means investment grade. These are bonds rated triple B and higher and up to the single A, double uh, A, and triple A levels. Now, Bonds that are rated investment grade are usually not subject to default. Therefore, the insurance to protect against default is generally not that expensive. So what you have here is the level 65 basically means that there are 65 basis points of premium being paid here to ensure credit positions in the investment grade world. Now, if you look back at the last decade, what we see is that spreads have spiked to above 100 basis points a couple times over the last decade. And right now, we are nowhere near this level of 100 basis points, which would be indicative of some stress in the corporate bond world. So right now, spreads are low, even though rates are high, right? Treasury rates are relatively high compared to the last decade or even two decades. But with spreads low 
and profits clearly doing well enough. And we saw the services print in the ISM sector. So ISM is showing a decent services sector. Corporate balance sheets are strong enough to borrow. Spreads are low. And even though rates are high, corporate issuers are flooding the market with supply. Now, this can be a leading indicator, meaning that corporates think everything is good, so they're going to borrow and invest in projects. It could also be a lagging indicator in that we are at a point in which spreads are low before corporates think that they might widen out and it might become more expensive for them to issue debt. So they're hitting the market now and trying to flood it now. So it's not exactly a one-to-one takeaway, but it is important to recognize that in the corporate markets, not only is there no stress in investment grade land, but the market is actually quite strong. Now let's talk about some of the not so good stuff happening in the U.S. economy specifically with regard to mortgages and the consumer. So let's talk about mortgages really quickly. We all know that mortgages are around 7% nationwide. Some readings are slightly below 7%. We saw 6.8 being the average rate uh, on Redfin, but numbers that are in the 7 to 8% range for uh, some borrowers as well. So we know that mortgage rates are very high. The burden that that brings to affordability is large and are prices crashing in the u.s housing market absolutely not they're actually stagnating and chopping around a little bit of growth a little bit of contraction depending on the metric that we're using basically right now no real estate crash in terms of prices what we are seeing a crash in is the number of mortgage applications being taken out across the country. So take a look at this chart provided to us by Bank of America using Bloomberg data. What we see here is basically a collapse in mortgage applications. And that makes sense, right? With high rates, low affordability, not only are people less able to afford a home, but the people that are currently in homes also unwilling to sell because being able to replace their current home would mean going from a mortgage rate of somewhere around 3% to somewhere around 7%. And that 4% increase in mortgage rates is simply unaffordable. We see that here on this chart. Mortgage applications are collapsing. Now, when or does this even filter into real estate prices? That is a conversation probably for the first half of next year as the economy continues to digest higher interest rates. Remember, what is the Fed doing when they raise interest rates to combat inflation? They are on purpose trying to slow down the economy so that there's less demand for goods and services, so that there's less pressure on those prices. And so when rates are raised by 5.5%, as they have been over the last year and a half, we see the effects of that hitting the economy, specifically in mortgage applications. Now, let's take a little bit closer look at the U.S. consumer. The U.S. consumer has been fairly resilient. We see the U.S. economy growing consistently this year in 2023, and we will see probably another print in positive territory for the third quarter of GDP, just indicating generally a strong U.S. consumer. But reading between the lines and looking at some of the recent data, not so fast. 
So we give a hat tip today to Bob Elliott. He's an analyst that posts great economic charts on social media. We see Bob Elliott posting a few charts today about the slowing U.S. consumer. Now, a data point that we love to use at the Bitcoin layer is private market credit card information. So Bank of America and J.P. Morgan Chase both put out data that shows what is going on with their credit lines in the credit card world. So basically, all of you guys out there that have a Chase card or a Bank of America card, that spending data that you are doing is going to these banks and they are analyzing that data and trying to get a beat on the U.S. consumer. And let me tell you from experience, the Bank of America data specifically tracks very well with retail sales that comes out on the official economic statistic docket. So Bank of America, reliable data when it comes to consumer spending habits. And we see here in the last couple weeks, Morgan Stanley and JP Morgan are releasing data showing slowing spending in the credit card realm. So look at this retail sales tracker at Morgan Stanley showing a negative six tenths of a percent growth that is down from recent months and also is showing that a little bit earlier in the year, we did see some negative growth in terms of retail sales, but that had reversed itself. Now the consumer struggling once again. This next chart is even more telling. We see here that in the Chase data, right now, this is from JP Morgan, that we are now at half a percent decline in retail sales. And that, when you look back at the graph here, that is the first contraction since late last year. And that contraction late last year was very brief and very shallow. Okay, so what we are seeing here is basically the slowest consumer per Chase credit card data of the last couple years, basically of the post-pandemic era. So is the hiking cycle finally catching up to the consumer? Is it finally catching up to the mortgage borrower? We would argue that yes, it is. And so are you going to see that right away in the ISM services data? Clearly not, right? So services are showing strength, Mortgage applications and credit card data are showing weakness. It's not always linear and it's not always easy to just say, hey, economy is doing great, stocks are gonna do great or vice versa. So many moving parts and that's really what we're trying to break down for you here today. Today's video is sponsored by Foundation. Guys, make sure to get your Bitcoin off of exchanges. We cannot recommend this enough. When you buy Bitcoin on an exchange, what you're doing is leaving the custody to a third party. And when we get our keys off of exchanges and into our own hands, what we're doing is we are removing a layer of risk from the whole process so that you are controlling your own money. Go check out this beautiful device that Foundation has. It's called the Passport. It is very easy to use and I love their onboarding service. You give them a call and they will walk you through the setup, how to back it up, how to update the firmware, and how to pair it with your smartphone and your Envoy wallet so that you are not carrying around your private keys on your phone, but still giving yourself access to receive Bitcoin and send Bitcoin to cold storage 
all from the use of your smartphone. Go check out foundationdevices.com today. Now, I wanna talk about this PMI data that we have. It's a different PMI data series than the ISM. ISM stands for Institute of Supply Management. This is a body that has long produced this economic data, but around the world we have PMIs, which is Purchasing Managers Indices. Remember the questions I was telling you about? What's going on in your company? How are new orders? How is hiring? How are input prices? How are sales? All of those questions get asked to thousands of managers all around the world. Well, one of those surveys is done in the US and they have separate manufacturing and services readings, but they also have a composite series in this S&P PMI data series. And I wanna show you it right here. It's not showing that much life in the US economy. The reading is at 50.2, basically means the economy is flat. It is slowing a little bit in recent months, and it was showing a little bit of contraction late last year. So not all data points are showing this very robust US economy. Some are lagging. The PMI data that we get for the United States, it's not our number one sur uh, survey data that is reserved for ISM, but I think it's an important data point and a good segue into our next big topic here, which is the European recession. Now, check out the PMI data out of Europe. Contraction all the way, and we really see a European economy that is materially struggle, struggling relative to the United States. A reading here of 46.7, but it's not just the reading that matters, it's the trend. We are in several months of decline now and basically piercing through 50 in a very sharp way, meaning that respondents are coming back negative on the European economy. We saw Germany enter recession earlier this year. We see several countries in Europe struggling in the middle of a recession. And that is giving way to some extreme weakness in the currency. So let's take a look now at what is going on in the euro versus the US dollar. What you can see here is a euro that is falling through support and getting very weak relative to the dollar. Now, on interest rate parity, we would assume, all things being equal, that a higher yielding currency would attract strength relative to a lower yielding currency. So oftentimes what we see in financial markets is that currencies do move in a way that mimics the difference between the two countries' interest rates. Although, of course, that is not the only thing that affects currency and it's not even something that we can look in in isolation. But it is a great model just to give ourselves a framework. Now, what's happening in the U.S. interest rate market? Interest rates are at multi-decade highs in different parts of the curve, as well as the U.S. economy, as we discussed, is showing some signs of strength, as well as completely avoiding a recession as well in the entire year of 2023. What does that tell the market? The Fed isn't going to cut rates anytime soon. What does that tell investors? Keep your money in U.S. dollar-denominated instruments instead of going to Europe. Now they're looking at Europe, and the problem is compounding. They're looking at Europe, and in recession, they're thinking that the ECB cannot keep raising rates, and they might have to cut them sooner than later to avoid a more drastic recession. Now, if Europe is going to cut rates, 
and the U.S. Federal Reserve is not, what do you think will happen to the currency pair over the next 6 to 12 months? Well, capital is going to stay in the dollar. It's not going to leave the dollar for European-denominated fixed income instruments, especially if rates are going to get cut over there. And there's going to be less demand for that relative yield in Europe. So is this causing harm to the euro? We would argue that yes. Now look at the currency over the last several months. It was showing a big bounce here. But in the in the recent weeks, it has lost support. Now we see it losing its trend. It hasn't quite yet broken through the levels that we saw a few weeks ago. But we are watching this closely and watching the euro weakness. On the other side of euro weakness, of course, is dollar strength. Now, you guys might be familiar with the concept of the dollar wrecking ball. This is the idea that a strong dollar is dangerous for the global economy. Why? Because if the dollar gets stronger, all the borrowing that happened around the world, dollar denominated, is now tougher to pay back as companies borrow in dollars and then make money in local currency, if the dollar is stronger, they have to use more lo local currency to pay back the debt. And how do you use, how do you get the money? You have to earn more money. If you don't earn more money, you have to default. And in this way, a strong dollar is a dangerous thing for the global economy. What do we see here? The dollar is now breaking above its highs earlier this uh, spring, summer. And it is. it has already broken a couple weeks ago, broken its recent downtrend. Now, if the dollar continues to get stronger, this does pose a great danger to risk markets. And it also just might be an indication that the global economy is slowing and that investors are seeking the protection of the dollar. Now, my last chart for you and topic of the day is China and its currency. Now, we have been reading articles over the last couple months about the weakness in China's property sector, but all of a sudden in the last few weeks, now headline after headline, that defaults are happening and they are coming and they're coming in a very big way. And what is going to happen in China as all these property developers start to default? What we might get a massive stimulus is one proposed thing that we're hearing out of China, but what is the impact on global markets? Now, this is something that we've been thinking a lot about. Is China and its property sector bubble bursting going to cause weakness elsewhere in the global economy as all of that debt is written down and perhaps affects portfolios elsewhere? Or is the weakness in China simply a symptom of global macroeconomic weakness and a slow consumer that historically has supported the Chinese economy by buying things that China manufactures. What's going on? Well, we would actually argue here that the weakness in China's currency is the biggest signal that we can take away from what is going on in China. You can see here now that in the last few weeks, the Chinese currency has weakened to levels that are now multi-decade lows, right? This chart that you see here is dollar versus the Chinese yuan. So when you see the number going up, that is dollar strength and Chinese yuan weakness. So the weakness is continuing here in the last few weeks, and it might even be getting to a level 
in which China is going towards the eight handle here and getting its currency significantly weaker in order to attract more spending from around the world. Now, when it comes to the property sector, there's no way for us to know what the reaction function of the Chinese Communist Party is going to be with regards to stimulus. We have seen in the last year or two that Xi Jinping is more unwilling to come with these massive fiscal bazooka-type packages and is more focused on trying to transition China into a consumer-based economy. So we'll have to watch, but the data out of China is not that reliable. What is reliable is this currency pair. The weaker it goes, you know the worse it is in China. And honestly, the weaker it goes here, the stronger the dollar gets on the other side of it and the more dangerous that becomes for the global economy. So Europe's currency and Chinese currency are two important ones to watch. We use the dollar index to give us context to it all. And of course, we will be watching economic data all the way. Thank you guys for sticking with us for this video today. The Bitcoin layer is proud to be sponsored by River. Go check out river.com slash TBL. Get yourself started with a DCA plan. Stack sats in a way that doesn't have any fees with River. Withdraw your Bitcoin via the Lightning Network and definitely go check out river.com slash TBL today. Thanks for watching.